Thank you, guys. Please open your Bibles up to John chapter 8. Tonight, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 8, and uh, titled the sermon, Belonging to God, uh, which a couple of those songs just sang about. And one of, one of the things I wanted to point out is whenever I hear that song is, I used to, the first time I heard that song, I remember kind of thinking, well, that doesn't sound right. And the chorus when it says, you're making me love you. I remember kind of being annoyed by that the first time I heard that song. And then I actually thought about it for a minute. And realized, oh, that's exactly what God did with me. He loved me so much over and over and over and over. And forgave me so much over and over and over and over. That love was the only rational response to him. Uh, And tonight we're going to talk about something that's kind of in those lines. We're going to be talking about the subject of sin. And a teaching Jesus had on sin that is, it's not easy but it's also filled with God's grace. And uh, so please pray with me as we uh, get into the Word tonight. Lord, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this place. Thank you for this church. Lord, we lift up other churches around the world who are meeting today. Father, we think of the churches in the Shan that are small, that need help. Lord, we thank you that you are holding them near to you. Lord, we think of places that are impoverished. Lord, we think of places that are in war. We think of places where churches meet in secret. And we thank you for the gift of this building to worship openly. And that we are free, Lord. Lord, that we live in a beautiful, wonderful, free country as well as being freed from our sin through your sacrifice, Lord. We thank you for that. Lord, be with us tonight and guide our conversations, guide our time together in your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So a bit of a a context to to where we are. Last week we were in John chapter 6 where some of the disciples turn away from God. And we're a couple of chapters later and Jesus, John chapter 8 opens with the woman caught in adultery. uh, And he goes and writes something in the sand and says that he who's without sin casts the first stone and they all go away. And, and then, before our passage tonight, Jesus has, has been talking about who he is. And they're trying to figure out, hey, hey, who sent you? What's your story? You know, what's your deal, Jesus? And, and he gives the famous uh, line that he is the light of the world. You know, so they're trying to figure out if this guy is more than just a rabbi, and if he is, who sent him and where he's come from. Uh, and, and later in the same passage, in the same chapter, uh, He'll go on to say the famous phrase when he says, before Abraham was, I am. And they'll pick up rocks and try to stone him. Uh, I would encourage you to study all of chapter 8 this week in in your devotion time or in your quiet time or or later tonight before you go to bed. But tonight, before we get to the I am and after the light of the world, we have our text. We have our text and Jesus keeps going with uh, a seemingly difficult teaching, but one that uh, is, is covered in God's grace as well. So please follow along with me as we read from John chapter 8, uh, verses 31 to 47. It says this, Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, 
If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And they answered him, we are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And I know that you are descendants of Abraham, yet you look for an opportunity to kill me because there is no place for you in my word. I declare what I have seen in the Father's presence, and as for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father. And they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That, or this, is not what Abraham did. You are indeed doing what your fathers did. What your father does, they, they said to him. We are not illegitimate children. We have one father, God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and now I am here. I did not come on my own, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot accept my word. You are from your father, the devil, and you chose to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell, you the, tr- if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is from God hears the words of God. And the reason you do not hear them is that you are not from God. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. (laughs) Kind of intense, right? Jesus looks at these people who consider themselves his followers and says, no, you're not actually children of God. You are children of the devil. Uh, I may encourage you to invite friends to Easter, but I will never call you children of the devil. I promise you that. I don't know how he did this. (laughs) Being completely honest, This teaching is so intense. Jesus looks people in the eye and says, you think you're this, but you're not. He starts in verse 31 basically saying, hey, listen, if you guys do my word, if you guys listen to my teachings, you'll be fine. Right? The NIV says something along the lines, if you do all the things I've commanded you, you'll be fine. And yet we know that that's not so easy. He says the truth will set you free. Just live in the light. And yet we know that that's quite difficult. Whenever I think of this passage, the truth will set you free. Uh, I always think of myself as like a 12, 13-year-old. I was this little liar, and I lied about everything. And the worst part about being a, a liar is that I was really bad at it. And so I would lie, but then I would keep lying to cover up the lies, and it would never work out. And I remember even just simple things. My mom would get a, a, a call from school, and, the, and they would say, Sam hasn't done his homework in two weeks. And I'd get home from school, and she'd say, Sam, have you done your homework? I'd say, no. And she, or I'd say, yes. And she'd say, well, I just heard from your teacher, and she says you haven't. And I'd say, oh, no, she's lying. I mean, <laughs> what 12-year-old thinks that his parent will look at him and say, oh, you're telling the truth, your teacher's not. 
And I read this passage and I just sort of laugh to myself because Jesus says, hey, if you guys just do what I tell you, you'll be fine. How many of us have succeeded at that? I mean, <laughs> I read the word of God. I mean, Jesus says things like, be holy for I am holy. Okay, well, okay, you know what? It's not going to work. I'm going to fail at this. But, but these people, they're so like, they just like to pick fights with Jesus. And I can't quite figure it out because as we read through some of these conversations he has with people, Jesus always wins. And, 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 and they answered him, they say, hey, well, hold on a second. You know, we're descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? And, and essentially, they're just basically saying here, why do we need you, Jesus? What makes you so great? Why are you so much better than our father Abraham and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachings we are used to? And he's, Jesus spends so much time answering these kinds of questions. They look at Jesus and they say, you claim too much. Why do we need you? We're children of Abraham. And then Jesus says something in verse 34 that I think we sometimes forget when we think about sin. In verse 34, he says this, which is such a, such a good truth. He says, very truly I tell you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household, but the son has a place there forever. Jesus says, you, you want to know why you need me, sons and daughters of Abraham? Because if you've sinned once, if you've gone off on your own once, if you've lied once, if you've done what you thought was best instead of what God thought was best just once, then you are as a slave to sin. If the Son makes you free, though, you will be free indeed. See, sin is no one's favorite topic to talk about. Because we all know we're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, and so we just sort of ignore it. And maybe we'll talk about it in small groups, or maybe we'll share with one person. Or, but instead of saying any specifics, or instead of saying anything really, we, oh, I'm just struggling with pride, you know, it's, you know, it's really hard. And, and I remember, too, I, I, I share these stories about myself. It makes me sound like a really bad person. I, I'm a pretty good person, but at least I think I am. I remember never wanting to go to church when I had had a particularly bad week. Because I, was think, I would always think, man, if they talk about sin, I'm just going to feel really bad about myself this Sunday. And maybe I shouldn't go to church because if they talk about sin, I'm just going to end up feeling really bad about myself and then I don't want to go to church and feel bad about myself. I want to be happy. And so I, I, would, I, I confess I've actually done this. Looking online to see, because this church I was going to at the time, uh, I, was, I don't remember how old I was. I was in college, early 20s. Uh, I would look and I would see what the, what the topic was. And if it was on something good, like Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, I would go because I'm like, yes, Jesus loves me. I want to go hear that. But if it was in the Old Testament or in the prophets or something really heavy, I would just kind of stay away because I didn't want to deal with sin. So I could just pretend it's not there and then maybe next week I'll do better so that I'll feel better and can go in with my head held high and say, oh, well, yeah, you're a sinner. You know. Why don't we like talking about sin? You know, in some churches, and maybe it's because of how we were raised for me, I think that's part of it. Some churches don't ever talk about sin. I remember, I've heard altar calls and pastors stand up front and talk about the great love of Jesus without ever talking about the need for atonement of sin. I've heard and talked with Christians who said, I became a Christian and I don't understand why am I still sinning? 
Like they thought that when they became a Christian, Jesus would just take away their desire to sin and that life would get better. I don't understand it. We all know it's a problem, but we ignore it. There's a famous American preacher and theologian named Jonathan Edwards. Most of you have probably heard of him. His most famous sermon was entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. (laughs) Now, imagine if, if a preacher stood up today and preached that sermon, got up to the pulpit, you know, which we do on Sunday mornings. It's a lot of fun actually going up there. Uh, but gets up in the pulpit and says, listen, you are sinners in the hands of an angry God, and if there is nothing to stop it, you will perish. That person would have two people in his church. And then after the sermon, those two people would leave. Now, back in the day, it was a different time, and Jonathan Edwards was a Puritan, and I think they focused a little too much on sin, but my point is this. We need to find a balance in the church where we don't ignore this problem. Because Jesus was very clear, wasn't he? If we sin, we are slaves to sin. But we also don't pretend that it's not an issue. We also don't shy away from it. We need to find a balance. We need to figure out how as Christians we can talk openly about our struggles and we can talk openly about the things that are difficult for us with our brothers and sisters so that they don't weigh on us. How many of you in this room, and I'm pretty sure all of you, have, have... felt like there's something you can't share and felt like there's something you can't confess and it just weighs on you and the weight turns into guilt and the guilt turns into shame and before you know it you're sitting there thinking what is wrong with me and all the while Christ is sitting right there saying no I've done this for you I've set you free I want us to be brothers and sisters in Christ who can confess sin and know that we are free And yet these Jews, these followers of him, these early followers of him still didn't get it. They keep arguing and they keep saying, well, wait a minute, what do you mean you're going to set us free? And they actually go after kind of Jesus' lineage a little bit. They say, Abraham is our father. And he says, well, if Abraham was your father, you would do what Abraham did. And they said to him, hey, listen, we're not illegitimate children. We only have one father. And he says, listen, guys. If God was your father, you would see me because God is my father too and God sent me. This is the message of God. It'd be like meeting someone from your home country, whatever that is, and, and, and them saying, oh, I'm from this town. And you'd say, oh, that's great. I'm from this town. Where did you go to school? Oh, I didn't go to school there. Well, what streets did you live on? Where, where did you say, oh, I, I, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. I don't really get it. And then you go to speak in your mother language or your mother tongue and they say, oh, I don't speak that language. You say, well, Are you really from there? (laughs) You know, this is kind of what's happening. They're like, no, we're from God. And Jesus says, no, no, you're not. You're missing the point. You don't even understand who God is, that he has sent me to give you freedom. They say, no, we don't need freedom. We're children of God. Jesus, you don't get it. And he says, no, you think you're from God, but you're actually children of the devil. It's interesting to me. There's a lot of interesting things in this, and theologically there's a ton here. But I want to talk about this verse 44. You are from your father, the devil. The world today will say they're free. 
The world today will say, that, hey, listen, look at how great we've done to get past religion. Look at how great we've done through humanism and from philosophy and logic and reason and science and postmodern thought and all of these wonderful things to say, listen, we don't need God anymore. We've explained away the need for religion. <laughs> the world says, no, we're good people. We're free, finally. We're free from religion. But Jesus says it's the opposite. He says, if you do not know God and if you are not from God, then you actually are in slavery. You actually are in bondage. These are the words of Jesus. And so, if we believe Jesus Christ was who he said he was, we have to choose one side or the other, right? We've talked about this in here before. And Jesus says, listen, to the world, you think you're free, but you are not. You think by the modern world at least, you think by, by taking rid and saying we've outgrown religion, we're free from it, you've actually willingly entered into slavery. See, this is why I don't understand why people would say things also like, oh, you know, that Jesus guy, he, he wasn't really the son of God, but he was just all about love and peace and caring for people. And yeah, yeah, he loved caring for people. And yeah, he loved nurturing and he loves us. But you know what? This is why I said it last week and I'll always say it. Jesus is pretty offensive. He says, if you are not a child of me, you are a child of the devil. It's kind of harsh. But the word of God is really important for us to understand. See, the world says, we don't need Jesus, we've outgrown him. But really what they're doing is they're saying, no, we'd rather be under a yoke of slavery. We'd rather be in a place where we don't have freedom, but we're slaves to our own sin. Verse 34, Jesus says, anyone who commits sin is a slave to that sin. The world is essentially saying, no, Jesus, we don't want you. We don't want the freedom you offer. We don't want the weight off of our shoulders and the freedom from shame and guilt. We would rather have the shackles. And the world, by rejecting Jesus, has gone and said, nope, I want slavery. I want slavery to pride. I want slavery to fear. I want slavery to sex. I want slavery to addictions. I want slavery to money and to me. I'll say this, don't be afraid of God, but realize God is pretty serious about sin. He is all love and he nourishes us like children and he is patient and gentle. The good shepherd who loves his sheep, right? But there's a reason shepherds carry a big stick. <laughs> there's a reason shepherds have that big stick. There's two. One is to defend the sheep. God loves you and he defends you and he wants to protect you from the enemy and from the evil and from the sin. But Sometimes, if sheep get a little far away from the flock and they get a little near a cliff, he calls them to him. He says, no, you need to come back. And then the sheep doesn't and the sheep keeps going. Well, what happens? The sheep gets a little pop from the stick. Sometimes we need to be reminded that, you know what, sin is a big deal. Yes, Jesus Christ died on the cross. Yes, we are forgiven, but that doesn't give us freedom to sin boldly. That doesn't give us freedom to take advantage of the grace offered to us. This is a serious, serious topic. And the world has been deceived. These people, the people who have ignored God and who are outright antagonistic towards God, have taken what was intended for freedom and become slaves to sin. The enemy has convinced the world that slavery is freedom. <laughs> and think about that. The devil has convinced the world that slavery 
Slavery to sin is actual freedom. And tricked the world into thinking that this is how they ought to live. I mentioned coming from a country, coming from, you know, whatever. Think of whatever language is most comfortable for you. What language you think in. I know many of you speak many languages, so think of your mother tongue. What's your most comfortable language is? What language you think in? Jesus says that the enemy is so deceptive and so evil that he thinks in lies. <laughs> the devil's mother tongue is lies, is deceit, is manipulation. <laughs> so, so as easy as we speak, and even, don't even speak, as easy as we think about something, so too the devil then lies and deceives people. The deceiver's greatest weapon is to take what God has intended for good, which is freedom, and make us fearful of it. And so, he has deceived the world into thinking that in their modern, postmodern humanism and, and freedom and, and, and age of logic and reason has got them freedom when really it's just brought slavery. And if we are afraid of God, then we are relying on ourselves. And we failed right away when Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We joked about it earlier, but who among us can do it on our own? None of us. None of us can. And many of you are probably like me in this respect. I don't need any help finding sin. I do it just fine on my own. And it's a great reminder to me that when I rely on myself, it, it's, it's immediately where I go. But when I rely on God, I find freedom. We find freedom. The world has bought into a lie and bought into it willingly. And more people sign up for it every day. More people get in line for slavery to sin every day thinking that it brings them freedom. And the only one who can relieve them, the only one who can liberate them from that freedom is Christ. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. When you are trapped in sin and when you are a slave to sin, we run to Christ. We don't hide it. We don't pretend it's not happening. We run to Christ. You know, as, as, as an American, especially as American white male, the topic of slavery is kind of an interesting one for me to think through. The roots of my country is something I'm very ashamed of. We think about the American slave trade and it's one of the worst atrocities in the history of the world. And when we think about it, we think of these great stories of liberation. We think of great abolitionists like Abraham Lincoln or the British man William Wilberforce. And we think about these people who stood up to what is wrong. And these people are held in high esteem, and rightly so. But the world stops there. They say, oh, look at these great guys. Look at these great people. Look at all of these people who fought. Look at all of these men and women who stood up for what is right. But all of these men and women who stood up for what is right did so because they loved Christ. And there might be a few in there that said they weren't Christians and were just trying to do it for, you know, the sake of another human being, and that's fine. But if you really look at all of the great things happening around the world and the history of slavery and oppression and injustice, Christians are behind liberation. Because Christians understand that they were liberated from sin and they too want to go and help liberate others. When I think of these great men and women who did wonderful things, many of them were Christians. 
Many of them claimed the name of Christ and said, hey, listen, I've been set free by Christ and therefore I'm going to use all my resources to help others. Those who liberate oppressed peoples understand it's because they themselves have been liberated. We all need Jesus. We don't just need Jesus. We need the Father and the Holy Spirit. We need the whole team. Because without them, we can't do this. Without them, we are slaves to sin. Last week, we talked about disciples walking away and making a hard choice. There's no such thing, I, I said, as, as a normal Christian, right? That we are all are called to, to amazing things. That we're all weird, peculiar people. Tonight, what is Christ calling you to do in light of your freedom and your liberation? What is in this world God calling you to to bring liberation to the way you've been liberated? The cost of Christ is freedom, but it means we're walking in a different direction than the world. You're going to stand out. You're going to be noticed. You're going to have the world come around you and, and hit you with lies to say, no, that Jesus guy, you know, he wasn't true. He was false. He, he wasn't who he said he was. How could he claim this? No, that's wrong. That's why I love Easter. It's all over TV. It's all over the internet. I mean, you can find a news article on CNN or BBC. It's something that talks about the historical Jesus. Who was Jesus really? Everyone's so fascinated about Jesus at Easter. Now is our time to be brothers and sisters who live in the light and who show the liberation with our lives, who show the freedom we received with our lives, that we belong to God. We are not slaves to sin. We are children of the king. And as he said, the, the slave has no inheritance. The slave has no place in the home, but children do. Daughters and sons, you have an inheritance, a rich inheritance of freedom. I want to read the psalm again. This is no new idea. This is from hundreds of years before Christ, but it rings true. When my soul was embittered and when I was pricked in heart, I was stupid and ignorant. I was a brute beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will receive me with honor. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire other than you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Indeed, those who are far from you will perish. You put an end to those who are false to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge to tell of all of your works. Let me encourage you tonight to tell of the great works of God in your life. To tell of the liberation you have received through the cross of Christ. If you have been liberated, Jesus is the way and you know it, go and share it. And if you have not been liberated and you feel like there is a weight of sin that you cannot get rid of, Jesus is the way to be free of it. Jesus is the way to let it go. God is there for you. <laughs> Psalm 73, from hundreds of years before Christ. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. God isn't just with us. He is holding our hand through this journey that we would be free from the bondage of sin. Please pray with me.
Lord, I can't live without this promise. And I trust it to be true. I trust it to be real because I have felt the freedom and I have seen it in my own life. Lord, many in this room can testify to the freedom you have given us from sin. Lord, you have freed me from bondage and I give you thanks. Lord, as we continue in worship tonight and as we think about the great things you have done, Father, I pray that everyone in this room, Lord, that all of our brothers and sisters in Christ around this world and those who don't even know you yet, Lord, would experience the freedom you offer. Lord, you are the Son of God and you have set us free indeed. Let us rest in the light like a warm spring day sitting in the sunshine knowing that we are free. Lord, you are good. I know it. I believe it. I've seen it. We go forward in that truth, Lord, knowing that if we come to you, we are free. Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for the promise of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, which guides and directs us. And thank you for the authority and wisdom of our Father, God. It's in your name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. Please stand uh, and join us as we uh, continue in worship.